Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. More than a pleasure to have with us Goldie Taylor. Hey, Goldie, how you doing? Good afternoon. Well, good afternoon, Leslie. Glad to be here. And thank you for uh, being with us. Um, First of all, let's talk about more than 50 times in the past two years, the GOP has voted to, in one way or another, repeal, replace, punish, I think, the president for Obamacare, and uh, in a sense, the American people. Uh, But now uh, the top three Republicans are pushing, uh, a lot of people would say, well, you want to repeal it, replace it, even though the majority of people, according to the polls in America, you know, constituents, the voters don't want that. Uh, there are those saying, what do you got for us? What's the alternative? Well, now three top Republicans are pushing an alternative uh, to Obamacare, and and that would scrap the law's mandates, but keeping the tax credits that help low-income people buy private insurance coverage. Let's talk about how that speaks um, to, to the people, because quite frankly, most of, not all, but most of the courts have definitely sided with the president regarding that mandate. And even though that is something most of the people in America don't like, you can't say that Americans don't like this plan. More than 9 million signed up for it so far. Well, I was one of those 9 million, I have to tell you. And so, and I happen to uh, enjoy my coverage. The first time that I've had coverage um, outside of a private employer in nearly a decade. Um, I will tell you that uh, it appears to me, at least, that the Republicans have painted themselves into a bit of a box. While they had what I think is a very brilliant strategy for uh, pulling together local grassroots efforts, taking over state houses, even taking control of the U.S. House, you know, based on a bit of gerrymandering and an awful lot of, you know, investments in the grassroots, that brilliant strategy paid off in ways they did not imagine. And that meant not being able to be a national party to constructively participate uh, in that two-party system. And so today it's governing by obstruction, largely because this is the box they've painted themselves into. Um, they have challenged this uh, law some 50 times, um, really as an answer to their constituents back home to placate those very red districts across the country. Meanwhile, it's the kind of thing that will keep them from becoming a real you know, partner in this national government. Let's talk about also that why why is it that the voters aren't reminded by Democrats, quite frankly, and that Republicans won't cop to the fact that this this idea to reform health care and this type of of reformation was originally a Republican idea used very successfully in Massachusetts by a a Republican and former governor there, Mitt Romney. Well, an awful lot of the reforms that you're seeing come out of uh, this administration were originally Republican ideas, that this president was pragmatic when he walked into the White House and thought that if he crafted policies uh, based on uh, some participation from Republican ideals, and he can get Republicans to vote with him. 
he miscalculated uh, on that front, and thus we're seeing the kind of gridlock uh, in Washington over the last six years, and we're going to continue to see it, you know, over the coming two, uh, so long as this president is in the White House. And so, you know, borrowing from Republican ideas uh, has shown itself not to be helpful in terms of luring Republicans to your side. Um, and that's a very unfortunate thing, I, I think, about uh, really about all of this. But you saw it in terms of finance reform. You saw it in terms of this health care reform. You saw it in terms of, the, of this president's energy policy. Uh, all of them, borrowing from, ripping a page from the Republican playbook, but all of them failing to bring Republicans uh, really to, this, to the other side of the aisle and some to vote in, in a bipartisan way. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about this. Uh, I want to talk about uh, some other issues as well, just a lot of different things uh, to discuss. Glad to have you with us. In the meantime, if you want to join us, 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Goldie Taylor, veteran journalist, opinion writer, and filmmaker, former MSNBC com- contributor and author, got a new book coming out that she's working on. You can see some of the pieces that she's written most recently at BlueNationReview.com. I love Blue Nation. And you can follow Goldie on Twitter at Goldie Taylor. That's G-O-L-D-I-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R. I'm Leslie Marshall. Join us at 8886 Leslie, 888-653-7543. And I'll incorporate your tweets throughout the hour if you follow me at Leslie Marshall. We'll be back. And we are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back only to Democracy in Talk Radio of Four and by you, the people. We have a lot to talk about with our guest, Goldie Taylor, author of In My Father's House, The January Girl, currently working on her third novel, Paper Gods, an opinion writer, filmmaker, veteran journalist, and her most recent role was as an MSNBC contributor. Goldie, thank you for holding and welcome back. Um, so that people understand, the GOP and their alternative to Obamacare, even though it would keep the tax credits that help low-income people buy private insurance, It it kind of spits in the face of one of the reasons we needed the Reformation, which is without the mandate, people don't have preventative care, you know, clog the emergency rooms. And this is part of the financial issue and the health issue that makes health care, you know, needed to be reformed in this country as we we knew it. Well, certainly the solution that I'm seeing come from the Republicans drives us back to the old Cobra model and pushes more Americans back into high-risk pools. Uh, the reform that this administration put forth and it was enacted into law uh, took a lot of that away. Uh, it made it so that uh, we were all really a pool um, and that it mitigated risk by uh, getting more younger and healthier uh, you know, people enrolled. Um, it, it helped by getting um, you know, single men, um, like my better half, who hadn't had private insurance in a very long time because, frankly, he just thought he didn't need it. Uh, it forced that healthy person into a pool uh, so that people who were uh, not always the healthiest, people who would meet with some catastrophic accident, so that they would have access to coverage. And so, in effect, it drove down uh, risk in pools and drove down the, and is still driving down the cost of care. Returning to the old COBRA model, returning to the high-risk pool model, will skyrocket health care costs in this country in a way that we have not seen before. And so I think that uh, they've got to be very, very cautious, uh, very careful in some of the stuff that they're putting through. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you really sort of do the math about this, this president is never going to sign a law that repeals Obamacare and replaces it with anything. This is his signature legislation from his two terms in office. This is his legacy. 
And so if you know anything at all about Barack Obama, you've got to know this. He'll never sign anything that repeals or remotely replaces this legislation. Let's take some calls from Wisconsin Line 3. Mahid joins us. Mahid, good afternoon. Question or comment for Goldie? Hello, Leslie. Hello, Mahid. Well, well, first of all, congratulations for your program. I am a truck driver going across town here. Okay. I am listening to your program. Very, very interesting. And uh, uh, congratulations also to your um, uh, to your uh, uh, companion there. My guest. Uh, yeah. The um, one of the comments I'd like to to share with you guys is uh, very much on the lines that um, that the lady just spoke of. That there are many people uh, here that. Uh, after they have had coverage for many years, they get in some catastrophic health situation, and they are kicked out of their insurance, and yeah. they have no place to go. And so it, you know, it becomes uh, a, a dignity uh, of life uh, and sickness. And um, uh, I feel very much is what has been lacking in our world for a long while. Uh, on one issue, on the other one is the um, the rising cost of um, health coverage. I had my own small second business some time ago, and the difficulty to keep my drivers covered was um, was increasingly um, uh, difficult. Um, due to the due to expense financially, you're talking about. That is exactly right. Yes. Yes, uh, okay, okay, yes. okay. Mahi, thank you for your comment and your questions. Um, hang on, we're going to have uh, Goldie speak to that. Goldie, two things here. Um, one is, obviously, he's referring to pre-existing conditions. Um, and, and people have been thrown off for catastrophic conditions. I mean, you know, people that have full-blown AIDS and, you know, uh, pneumonia is a complication of, uh, you know, people that have, uh, you know, cancer that's metastasized when they maybe were once carried when they were full in full remission. And we can't forget that because I, I had a child that died from a terminal illness. You know, there are people who are born uh, with terminal illnesses who, who don't make it to adulthood. And, you know, what kind of a quality of life can they have? And why should somebody go bankrupt trying to provide? that quality of life for their child. So first off, does the Republican alternative take away the pre-existing condition to, to be covered and that insurance companies can't turn these people away? As I understand, as I understand their proposal, it does take that away. And it also takes away the notion that there is a cap, uh, that you can, uh, you can reach a cap under their proposal, um, that that keeps the healthcare organization from having to pay more. And so if I have a child with a catastrophic illness who was born with that illness, there's going to come a day when she's going to exhaust her health care coverage under the current uh, ACA. Uh, that doesn't happen. Uh, you know, I think Mamou was talking about, you know, in terms of a catastrophic accident, when that person shows up at the ER without health insurance, we all pay. We pay in terms of higher health premiums. We uh, pay in terms of higher health care costs at the facility itself. And so it gets sort of spread around to all of us. What we have done with ACA is allowed that person, when they're healthy, to come into the system and get a low-cost policy, uh, even subsidizing if they have um, a, a, even subsidizing that policy. You know, if they don't make uh, so much money, but so much money, uh, so that when that accident does happen, they have paid into participated into a policy for their own coverage. I think that's you know really sort of an important part about this. 
I think it takes away, um, you know, creating these exchanges, and the Republican answer to that is sort of stripping these exchanges away, stripping away the ability to have um, a more competitive marketplace than you would think that they were before that, um, that sort of keeps health care costs, you know, really sort of capped, um, well, not capped, but really tampered down. Uh, one other thing that Mahid pointed to, which is certainly a concern of people regardless of ideology, is the cost to the business owner. And, of course, the GOP likes to paint the president uh, as uh, anti-business. But this is the way, speaking of business, that we used to conduct business, right? You know, you used to get a job and you had health and be- benefit benefits included. Hell, you even had a pension, right? Uh, those That's days are gone for many, unless you're in a great union. Um, but, uh, you know, so if, if you could speak to that and the cost that he said as a small business owner was often difficult for him to manage because the cost did get passed down uh, to the businesses, although majority of businesses, very, very large, uh, you know, companies with much more than 50 employees. At one point in this lifetime, I owned an advertising agency and that agency had less than 50 employees. I was not required uh, to provide health insurance for those full-time employees because of the size of the business and certainly not the part-time or contractors that we employ uh, in other ways. We did anyway. We participated in a plan that was employer-sponsored, that those employees full and part-time could participate in with their own dollars uh, and get great coverage, uh, health, dental, vision, uh, really sort of the full uh, nine yards, um, and that was available to us. That was a part of their compensation, and certainly it was a cost to the business. But knowing the health status of some of my employees and the health status of some of their children, that made me the employer of choice for them in terms of whether they would go to another small agency where maybe they got a little bit higher of an income from, they came to me instead um, because my compensation package uh, dealt with the whole employee rather than just the paycheck. And so I think that we've got to think about this in terms of, you know, we've got to think holistically about how we compensate our employees. And so that's good for business. Uh, That makes me an employer choice so that I can attract, motivate, and retain high potential, high-flying employees. That makes me more competitive in the marketplace. It also makes for a happier, uh, you know, employee with a higher morale who wants to come to work every day. And so, yes, it is an investment. Obamacare makes it so it takes some of the weight off of some very small employers, uh, but it does require some employers to adopt plans. And I think that's an important, um, I think that's an important tenet of all of this. Uh, that's part of keeping the risk pool. Uh, really as low as possible, uh, keeping the risk in the pool really as low as possible. Uh, but for those people who own very, very small businesses, those closely held, individually held businesses, uh, those people are eligible because their employer does not have a plan or cannot afford a plan. They're eligible to go in and get an individual plan through their state exchange or through a federal exchange that's offered when, they've got a, when there's no state exchange, you know, really available to them. And uh, so Vanessa, there is, uh, yeah. And so, and so there's a number of ways that this benefits businesses, uh, but there are catches in the law that allow for smaller businesses uh, to really uh, benefit you know, their, their individual employees to benefit. Very true. Vanessa tweets, they, being the GOP, are not interested in people having affordable health care. And I think that's very true. They're, they're, they're interested in how can they please the large corporations and the insurance companies. Uh, let's uh, let's move out. Now, White House Communications Director Jennifer Palmieri is uh, leaving to work for Hillary Rodham Clinton's uh, probable presidential campaign. Yeah, uh, a, a number of news reports have stated this. And the Wall Street Journal describes her switch as, quote, the latest example of the two major camps within the Democratic Party coalescing behind the former Secretary of State's likely uh, candidacy. Uh, does the uh, president's current 
communications director, leaving to work for Hillary Rodham Clinton, who is not yet running. Ha ha. Um, uh, does it show that the, you know, people are saying, hey, I'm team Hillary, <laughs> you know, not team Obama? Or does this show that, you know, Democrats are going to work for Democrats and that perhaps the president is behind Mrs. Clinton if she were, in fact, to have a bid for the presidency? I think the president has uh, been uh, pretty forthright about this, that he's not picking, uh, he's not betting on winners here, that, you know, he's not going to choose between Hillary and other primary candidates. And I think that's Especially fair. if Joe Biden runs, right? I mean, especially if Joe Biden, especially if Joe Biden runs. However, he does leave his people, the people who worked on his campaign and in his White House, free to choose the candidates that they believe that they can work, um, you know, most gainfully for. Um, the people that they believe in. And so there are a good number of people who worked, who happen to work for Barack Obama, who also happen to like the candidacy uh, that is emerging from Hillary Clinton. And so you're going to see an awful lot of, you know, inside the beltway, we're pretty opportunistic. <laughs> uh, we're going to go where the job is and we're, we're going to bet on who we think is the winner. And a lot of people believe that Hillary Clinton is sort of the de facto nominee, uh, fairly or unfairly. I happen to think that it's not a good process uh, to have, uh, not to have a very rigorous, a very strong primary, because that seasons a person for the general. So no, that, I, I agree with you there, but you also you had just mentioned you want a winner, and uh, although oh, I love Senator Sanders, I love Senator Warren. I don't think they can win a general election. Fine, I, I mean, I, I mean I across the board. I would, I would work like hell for Senator Warren. I don't think she could win a, a general election. Is right. Hillary, uh, from my perspective? today, um, the kind of person who could win a general election? Absolutely. Uh, and the polls certainly really bear that out. But her presence seems to keep other would-be's, people we may not know on a first-name basis, out of the field. You know, what if a little-known guy from Illinois had not decided to run uh, in the face of a Clinton campaign? Um, there could be, very well be, another Barack Obama out there who is deciding against running because he or she is looking at a Hillary Clinton candidacy and finding it something that they, you know, maybe cannot topple. I know, but I know a lot of my buddies who I was a Clinton camp who were an Obama camp who are now saying they kind of wish she had won and he were running now. Uh, just for, awful, for, they, I believe that that, I, I hear that an awful lot. I hear, I hear that an awful lot. Okay, uh, let's uh, talk about some Republicans. Um, uh, Jeb Bush is trying very hard to show that he's not Mitt Romney. He's no Mitt Romney, even though he's taking money from the former Romney donors, uh, and he doesn't want to be viewed as being the more moderate uh, Republican. Uh, and uh, you know, Mitt Romney definitely had the 2012 election uh, dominated by stupid comments about 47 percent, which I believe is really part it, it, true to his heart, and his car elevator, and the, the list goes on. Um, but uh, Jeb Bush is now trying to put the plight of the poor at the center of his candidacy. You know, Republicans can give lip service to this. But when you look at somebody's voting record, whether in a state like uh, Jeb Bush's former governor of Florida um, or if they're a congressional member, Republicans can talk all they want. But but their votes just don't add up to helping the, the plight the of the poor. That's right. The proof isn't in the pudding. It isn't in their policies. It's not in the national platform. It certainly isn't in their voting record. And let's be clear about Jeb Bush. Um, Mitt Romney was a moderate. Jeb Bush is a moderate. Both of them uh, going through this process, uh, Mitt Romney became more and more hardened as a conservative as the process went on. I expect that will happen to Jeb Bush as well if he is interested in winning.
And so you're going to find him uh, pull a little switcheroo, as Mitt Romney did, on any number of issues to make certain that they're able to placate the base. And so you're going to find even a more seasoned uh, politician like a Jeb Bush, smart man, uh, but you're going to find him uh, coalescing around the conservative side, more conservative side of the issue than you've ever heard him do, you know, really before. And so he was the reasonable Bush, we all said. He's about to become very unreasonable if he gets into this race and progresses, you know, really beyond New Hampshire. And let's talk Rand Paul very quickly in the last couple of minutes here. Um, uh, he has the most aggressive uh, Twitter feed of those in the 2016 uh, field. Um, sure. You know, uh, he, he suggests that Jeb Bush and Hillary Clinton are conspiring. He charges that Marco Rubio wants to build a moat around Cuba. He joked that Bush and Mitt Romney have exchanged friendship and charm bracelet. And he also uh, does double speak on many issues. He just did with vaccines uh, and, and and other issues. Um, you know, some people say Rand Paul is a troll uh, when it comes to his rivals, but that can help him with people who like those troll-like qualities in a politician. He has said that he wants to bring together this sort of odd coalition of people who are simply fed up, that he wants to bring together people from the left and the right who are simply fed up with the way that government operates. And he may get that opportunity within the context of a campaign. But Rand Paul is like that brother-in-law that keeps showing up to the family reunion and telling really bad jokes. And he doesn't know that the jokes stink. And so, and, and, and then he leaves thinking, why is everybody picking on me? And so, you know, I think you may very well see a Paul candidacy come to growth. I don't think you're going to see it go nearly as far as maybe we would have predicted a year ago. He, he also part, helps what we uh, Democrats love, which is to, to further the division and fragmentation of the Republican Party. I always say I like to get popcorn and watch that. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, pleasure to have you with us, Goldie. Very good job. At Goldie Taylor to follow her there on Twitter. And also check out some of her recent pieces at BlueNationReview.com. Like I said, for 25 years, she's been a veteran journalist, opinion writer, and filmmaker. Most recently, her role was in MSNBC contributor.